You are listening to the Murray Hills Church Podcast. To learn more about Murray Hills Church, including our gathering times and how to connect with us, visit us online at murrayhills.com. One of the, the most controversial words in the English language today is the word justice. And it's strange to me that it's become controversial, especially within Christendom, because it's, it's a biblical concept. It's firmly rooted in Christian teaching and practice. Uh, it's in the character of God. It's in the ways of Jesus. It's something that all of us, as followers of Jesus, all of us are called to act justly. We're called to practice justice. But that word's become politicized. And because of that, a lot of Christians don't want to hear about it anymore, don't even want to talk about it anymore. Like, you know, there, I, I ran a risk by telling you what the sermon was going to be about this Sunday before I preached it, because uh, by putting up the title Addressing Injustice, I know there were some people that thought, oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to do this today. I don't want to talk about that today. I don't want to think about injustice today. And that, to me, is an injustice. I mean, one of the things that allows injustice to continue is not talking about it. That's, it, it, it begins to hide in plain sight because we just don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it because it's uncomfortable and it's difficult and it's political. And, and you know, we make assumptions. Here's the other thing when things become political, and that's what's happened with this word. We make assumptions about it. So you came today going, well, I know what he's going to talk about today. I know exactly what he's going to talk about today. And you don't. <laughs> because I, I want to speak about it from a, a broad perspective. I'm going to tell a specific story about injustice. And I'm going to use that story to answer a larger question. The larger question is, how should we address injustice? Like when we see it, when we become aware of it, injustice has always been a part of society. It's always around us. Uh, we're just not always aware of it. So when we become aware of it, when we see it, how do we address it? That's the broader question I want to ask. To answer it, I'm going to tell a more specific story. But I, it really, the, the answer applies to all forms of injustice. I'm going to talk about specifically a, a form of economic injustice today. But the, the answer could also apply to racial injustice or, or um, gender injustice or any kind of, you know, injustice is simply, here's the definition, are you ready? It's going to blow your mind. An unjust act. I love when you go to the definition, when you, like when you look up Webster's, and I'm like, really? That, that's what you, that, okay. But think about it. It's, it's an unjust act or occurrence. It's a lack of fairness, or I would add a denial of rights. And it can be individual in nature, or it can be structural in nature. In other words, it can happen to just an individual, or it can happen to an entire people group. Uh, it could be culturally shunned, and therefore only happens in the shadows, or it could actually be culturally accepted and happens right in plain sight because the culture accepts the injustice. Uh, it could be uh, illegal, or it could be legal. There are legal forms of injustice. Our entire Constitution has amendment after amendment after amendment to address forms of injustice that were once culturally acceptable and perfectly legal. 
And the one we're going to talk about today, the story, to answer this question, is actually one that's culturally acceptable and perfectly legal. As a matter of fact, as I explained it today, some of you may not even feel like it's an injustice. You're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know that I buy that. That's okay. You don't have to agree with the, the specific one I'm dealing with here. But I'm trying to answer this larger question of what do we do when we see injustice? How should we respond? What is, as Christians, how should we address unjust acts or occurrences, whether they happen to individuals or in, in systems. And I'm primarily today talking about a system and a structure. How should we address a lack of fairness or a denial of rights? So to answer that question, I'm going to tell you a story. And it's a story that goes back to 2013. Started with a, with a Facebook post in 2013, July 10th. How many payday advance and title loan places can one street hold? Hashtag James Campbell. Now, I posted that just simply because I saw it. I wasn't, that wasn't like a political post. That wasn't like a, uh, uh, even a justice post. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't even doing anything. It was like Facebook. Remember back in 2013, Facebook was just like whatever you were thinking. It was like what you were eating and where you were going. It was before we got all political on there. You know, I, did, I was just like man, there's a lot of these places on James Campbell. Goodness. And I just posted that to just kind of make a funny kind of comment about it, thinking folks would like that and that kind of thing. It started a whole conversation. Now, I, I didn't know what payday lenders did. I mean, I had a general idea. I didn't know how that they worked or anything like that. I was just like, man, there's a bunch of these on this street. So I posted it. It started this whole conversation on Facebook. And the first guy that commented was like, talked about, uh, you know, God forbade the exacting of usury among the Israelites. And I'm like, usury? What is that? And I had to go back and Google usury and figure out what that is. Usury is the charging of exorbitant interest rates. And, and it is forbidden in the Old Testament. The charging of exorbitant interest rates forbidden in the Old Testament. Uh, I would say it's forbidden in the New Testament well. I would say that there's plenty of New Testament passages that talk about, you know, financial, do not take advantage of your neighbor financially. That, I think that would be a general principle. Zacchaeus would probably agree with that principle. Do not take advantage of your neighbor financially. And uh, in the U.S., there used to be laws against usury. Like for, for most of U.S. history, there were usury laws uh, that prevented places from charging exorbitant interest or, or unfair interest rates. And I think it was in the 80s that the Supreme Court made a decision that changed that. And a lot of those laws were repealed and rolled back. And that's when states started introducing payday lenders and title loans. These, these businesses really haven't been around all that long. So uh, this whole conversation took place. And it was a very interesting conversation because there was agreement and disagreement. And people like, I had no idea what I started with it. When I, was just, I just threw out the question, all of a sudden people were like, this is wrong. This is like, this is not good. Why is this going on? These, these places are taking advantage of people and that kind of thing. And so at the end of the post, I just commented on it like after 20 people were commenting. So I was like, hey, congratulations. You are now all part of a task force that's going to address payday lending in, our, in the city of Columbia, and I'm inviting you to a meeting at Murray Hills at such and such date, and we're just going to get together and put our heads together and see if we can solve this thing. Now, before the meeting, I went and counted, and if you see Jonathan counts there, he said, I think there are over 50 from the hospital down James Campbell, Carmack, and Nashville Highway to the Bear Creek intersection. Jonathan was wrong. There was 51. Uh, there was, now, this was in 2013, so 
it's, it looks a lot different now. In 2013, the city of Columbia didn't have really any regulations about it. They've now got a distance regulation that prohibits how close they can be connected to one another. And so it's down to about 26. So the, the existing ones got grandfathered in, but a lot of them gone out of business. It's down to about 26, which is still a lot. Okay, it's, not, it's still a lot. 26 is a lot. But what we did was we just got together and had a meeting. And uh, at this meeting, and it really, it was just the people that commented on the Facebook post, I invited to a meeting. And at this meeting, we discovered that, as with most issues, the problem is way more complex than a comment or two on a Facebook post. Like, there's nuances to this, there's difficulties, there's complexities to this. We had folks that came in that had, you know, because we had some that were like, we need to shut these places down, these are unfair, and these are terrible, and they're charging exorbitant interest rates. And other people came in and said, wait a minute, I've used these places. That, that Sometimes this is the only option people have. I mean, this is, um, some people can't get the credit is trashed to the point that you just can't get it through a traditional bank and, and these places are serving a need and some people can't get bank accounts and these places are serving a need. And so, like, we discovered as we started talking about it, like, the problem was a, this is a very complex problem. This is a very nuanced problem. Um, there is a legitimate use for some of these. Not all of them are, are serving in, a, like, a predatory lending-type capacity. And, but there is, like, we just started kind of bouncing ideas around, like, okay, well, what can we do? How can... How do we address it? How, how do we come up with it? You know, there, there are clearly people that are being taken advantage of. There's a lot of folks that are being taken advantage of. And how do we, how do we address it? And honestly, we, we just got overwhelmed. And we kind of quit. Which is a, another common thing that happens when you're trying to address injustice. Because when you start trying to address it, like it's one thing to talk about the problem like, they ought to do something. They ought to, they ought to fix that problem right there. It's one thing to point fingers and they ought to fix it. It's, it's another thing to sit in a room together with a group of people and like, we're the, we're the ones that are going to fix it, so how are we going to fix it? And, and we figured out like, you know, we, every idea there was a roadblock to. It was like, well, what if the church, because, you know, if you go back to Stephen's original idea, it was like, what if an umbrella of churches could provide the same service interest-free? We're like, ooh, yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, the church could lend money to people. No, that's not a good idea. I mean, like, we, like every idea we come up with, there was some roadblock to it. And then it was like the problem became so overwhelming because it's, it's much larger than this little group can fix. I mean, this is a nationwide problem. Like, we can't affect the laws. We can't affect the regulatory practices. You know, how are we going to fix this problem? And it just really eventually kind of got to the point where we're like, this is just too big for us to fix. This is, we just, we, we don't know how to do this. It was too big. And uh, I'll credit Randy Nichols who kind of resurrected it about three or four years ago because Randy came to me. Randy does a ministry that offers rides to people. And a bunch of people were asking for rides to payday lenders. And he's, he's like, what, what's going on here? And he started asking people and just kind of digging in just a little bit and kind of finding out what was happening. And uh, so Randy came back and he said, hey, I heard we had this group that was working on this. What's going on with it? And I said, well, Randy, we kind of I don't know, we've kind of fallen apart when not, not really much is going on with it anymore. It's a huge problem. It's a, you know, it's a big, big issue. And the more we learned about it, the more difficult it was going to be to overcome it. And, you know, I met with a legislature, uh, legislator, which I did, and found out that eh, they weren't going to do anything about it. You know, it's this, the, the payday lending lobby is strong and all this stuff. And so I was like, it's just, it's just not going anywhere. And Randy said, well, what if it's tried to fix the, you know, the whole issue what if we just helped people that were caught up in it? 
That's a genius idea. Like rather than trying to tackle the, the, the nationwide problem, what if we just focused on people who kind of got caught in the trap and they were looking for a way out and we just helped maybe one person at a time? Genius. Genius. Genius idea. And, and that's what we decided to do. And I'll tell you just a little bit more about the problem real quick because the problem kind of helps you understand why we came up with the solution. Um, predatory lending, back up, let me back up just a little bit here. Predatory lending is defined as any lending practice that imposes unfair or abusive loan terms on a borrower. It's also any practice that convinces a borrower to accept unfair terms through deceptive, coercive, exploitive, or unscrupulous action for a loan that a borrower doesn't need, doesn't want, or can't afford. So, um, and not every, not every payday lender is involved in predatory lending, although some people would probably disagree with that, but not, I think not every single one of them are, you know, out there doing this, but um, it, it's basically, it's, it's all in the fine print, if you will. It's like, it's there, it's in the fine print, but a lot, none of us read the fine print. Apple could take advantage of every single one of us right now. I mean, Apple, because all of us have agreed to terms of service with Apple, and we have no idea what we agreed to. Um, or any of those companies, we just click uh, accept. And that's kind of what's happening in this industry as well. But uh, a payday loan is just one example of, of this. And it's a smaller dollar loan that's payable in a shorter time period. So say you need $500. And so you go to the place, and, and you got a you got a paycheck, so you can write them a check for it's going to be seventy five dollars for five hundred dollars. So you write them a check for five seventy five, they're going to give you five hundred dollars. It, it's a lot of interest, but you you needed the five hundred dollars, and you're willing to do it. The problem is when two weeks comes up, and the five seventy five is due, and you still don't have five hundred dollars because now you owe five seventy five, and you still don't have five hundred dollars because what you borrowed it for you already used. Then you have to roll it over, which is not legal, but probably still happens. You have to roll it over by saying, I'll give you another 75 so that we can keep this loan going. So now you've got, you know, 150 into that one $500 note. Or you have to go to another payday lender to take out another 575 to pay off that 575 And it starts stonewalling. Most people who use these uh, loans, uh, the Pew Research has done a lot of... Uh, data on this, has a lot of data on this, most people end up spending about twice the amount of the original loan in interest and fees. So you borrow $500, but two years later, you've paid $1,000 for the $500 um, that you borrow. Some people have been paying on them for months only to discover that they never reduced the principal. Everything they were paying was, was fees and interest. Uh, there's there's ton of story. There's stories that this ministry that, that we've started has has heard from people like, oh, I was paying on it for, I was paying on my title note for like two years, and then I called to see what my balance was, and found out my balance was about the same as it was two years ago because they didn't realize that everything was going uh, to fees and interest. Now, when you hear these stories, and you and I'm, I'm not going to go deep into the all the stories there. You, there's documentaries. Netflix has a documentary out about it. Uh, Pew Research has a ton of information out about it. So when you hear them and you read it, you're like, that's not right. That's, somebody needs to do something about that. Like, surely this, the, there's laws against this sort of thing. Well, there are, there are if you're a bank. 
I mean, if you're a traditional bank, you're highly regulated. There's limits on what you're allowed to lend. Uh, you have to make sure that people can repay the note, and you can only charge so much interest. A bank can't charge an exorbitant interest amount. There's, there's regulations against that in traditional banks. Payday lenders fly under the radar on all of those things because there's no na national regulations. There's no national rules that regulate uh, payday lenders. It's state by state. And the state that we happen to live in happens to be one of the most lax when it comes to regulation. There are a few rules on the Tennessee books. Uh, Tennessee will say no more than $500 borrowed, which nearly every person we've helped has more than $500 borrowed. Well, how is that? Well, there's not really a regulation agency that checks that. I think it's a box. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think it's a box. Uh, you know that, but you can't borrow more than $500 uh, you, you, no more than two loans. Again, there's no way to, to regulate it, and no rollovers are allowed. The state does have a law on the interest rate. So the state has said there's, you can't charge too much interest. There is a limit to what you are allowed to charge. So for a payday loan, the max amount that the state will allow you to charge, the max amount is an effective APR of 459%. That's the most you can charge. We are not going to let you take advantage of people. Uh, you know, you are not going to charge somebody 465, 459. That's okay. That's fair. Uh, but for no, <laughs> that's the law. That's the legal limit that you're allowed to charge. Now, the reason that, that it doesn't look like that is because you don't, nobody goes in and takes out a, out a 459% interest loan. It, it's paid back over two weeks. So if you take $100 and you pay 15% on $100, it's $115. There's another couple of fees that get in there. It's basically for every $100, there's $17.65 in fees and interest, and that's payable in two weeks. So you multiply that by 26, that's where your 459 comes in because it's a short-term note. So it's, I mean, like, when you, start, when you start digging into it, there's a lot of, like, what in the world? So we got together... And, like, how do we tackle this? How do we come up with something that helps people who get caught in a trap? Because that's, it's called a debt trap that you get caught in because you keep borrowing money to pay back money that you borrowed, and you keep borrowing money to pay back money you borrowed, and you can see how it kind of spins out of control. And so this group that I'm talking about, we got together, tried to figure this out, and uh, tried to come up with a solution, and finally did. But before we get to that solution, I want to talk about why some of the things we did with that group is the answer to the question of how do we address injustice there's really three things that happened and we we bumbled through these three things we didn't this was there was no intentional plan like okay this is exactly we're going to do this and then we're going to do this we're going to do this um, there was three things that happened and they happen anytime you see injustice when you become aware of any type of injustice these are the three steps i think that should take place Number one is at the top, that pink circle, and it's educate. So it's educate yourself. Learn more about the problem. Read books. Do your research. Talk to people who have been affected by the injustice. It's real easy to sit in your bubble and go, well, that didn't happen to me. That didn't happen in my generation. It wasn't my, wasn't my, I didn't do that. It wasn't me. I've never been affected by that. I've never been... It's real easy to sit back and do that when it comes to injustice. But you got to talk to people who've been directly affected and listen to their stories and learn from their stories. 
and, and gain empathy from their stories. That's, that's part of the education process. Their books will only carry you so far. Google will only carry you so far. You've got to talk to people who have experienced the injustice. Talk to people who have experienced the unfairness. Talk to people who have had their rights denied and try to understand life from their perspective. That's part of the education process. Injustice hides in the echo chambers of social media. To see it, you got to spend time with brothers and sisters who have actually experienced it. And there's two verses that I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that, that work in the education process. And the first one is related to that. It's James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Listen way more than you speak. When I joined uh, the Stand Together Fellowship back in 2015, I listened way more than I spoke because I had a lot to learn. So I just, I just kept telling myself, just shut up and listen. And, the, and, the, and I learned a tremendous, tremendous amount just by being quiet and listening. So that's the first step with injustice. The education, I'm just going to be quiet and I'm going to listen and I'm going to be slow to anger, slow to the righteous anger. That's the other piece there. And then the second verse that I'll mention in this one is uh, Matthew chapter 7. 7 and 8, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks find, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. In other words, pray. So those are the two things. Part of the education process is listening to others, and the other part is listening to God. So I'm praying. I'm praying, saying, God, open my eyes to this. What can I do about this? What should, how should we address this? What should happen? We should always our inactions should always be informed by prayer. So, so prayer is not a passive activity. It's an active activity to where we're actively seeking God's will in something. God, there's something's bothering me. This is burdening me. I'm seeing something that's wrong. There's an unfairness. There's an injustice here. And, and how do I address it? How do I address it? So you're asking, praying God that, that would give you the guidance. And I believe God will do that when you give you the guidance. The second bubble there where they intersect is advocate. So once you've heard from God, and once you've learned from others, you have to be willing to speak up. And I'm not talking social media speak up, okay? I, that's a part of it, I understand. That's just part of our culture today. But I'm talking about you have to be willing to speak up. You have to be willing uh, to use your voice. And that, this is the unfun part of the whole process. So uh, this is why once our little group got to this part, we're like, can we just learn a little more? <laughs> can, we, can we pray a little longer? You know, because this is when uh, you get opposition. And this is when you, know, you get people who will disagree with you. And you get people that will misunderstand your purposes. But speak up anyway. And not in a self-righteous uh, tone. And not in an angry tone. In the way that the Bible teaches. 1 Peter chapter 3. About you know, be prepared to give an answer. And it says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ are ashamed of their slander. So you got to, whenever we're talking about these things, they're controversial things. Whenever we're talking about them, we speak to one another with gentleness and respect, with empathy for one another. Um, this, this whole payday lending thing, it, Dean Dickey was the mayor at the time that we were kind of doing a lot of the research on this. And he asked me to come to a city council study session and speak on it because they were thinking about doing away with the distance requirement. So they'd put a distance requirement in. Some you know, property owners were upset about it, and they were going to do away with the distance requirement. He said, would you come speak uh, on behalf of keeping the distance requirement? And I'm like, 
can I just post about it? You know, <laughs> do I have to? I was, I was way more nervous speaking there than I am speaking right here. And when I got there, one of my friends was there speaking in favor of it. So one of my friends was speaking in favor of it, and I was speaking against it, and then we rode the elevator down together. Was it awkward? It really wasn't. Because we both spoke to each other with gentleness and respect, and we shook each other's hands, and we saw two different sides of a different issue, and we treated each other with gentleness and respect, and and we're still friends. That's why this this component is so important. we got to advocate, but how you advocate, how you advocate matters. How you speak up matters. And then here's the last part, and it's, it's act. So we learn, we pray, we speak up, um, but eventually we have to do something. We have to act. And I'm going to give Duncan, who was playing our keyboard this morning, he, he put this verse on my mind and on another Facebook post, and this is, is a great First uh, John chapter 3, verse 18, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So it's one thing to be, you know, educate yourself and learn about this, but, but eventually you've you got to act, and you have to act with, speak, uh, you've got to act with truth, in truth. Uh, the other ones is James 2, verses 15 to 17. Suppose a brother and sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it's not accompanied by action, is dead. So this is where we got to with the, with the payday issue was like okay this is a problem some people are being taken advantage of should we just say well go in peace my brother you know good luck um or what kind of action do we take how do we address it here's what we decided to do i gotta wrap this up but here's what we decided to do we started something uh called pay grace forward i know some of you have heard of this and some of you probably haven't but it was built it was built on what randy said like rather than tackling the legislative issues, rather than, we're not legislators, we're a church, let the legislators legislate, Uh, rather than tackling, you know, the the industry regulations, we're not bank regulators, we're a church, what what can we do, let's help individuals, and so we started this ministry called Pay Grace Forward, that is now a a fully independent 501c3, so it started as a ministry of Murray Hills Church, It's, it's, now it's just spun off, it's an independent ministry, it's got its own independent board of directors. Uh, I think I'm the only member of the board of directors that's still a part of, that, that's on Murray Hills Church, part of Murray Hills Church. So it's, it's all these different churches involved. Uh, Greg Martin is our uh, chairman of the board. And we, what this group does is combines mentoring with low interest loans. So what we do is provide financial coaching with a low interest loan. So let's say you're caught in a, in a payday trap and you, and you owe a bunch of money to a title loan place or something. Say you owe $2,000 to a title loan place and you come to Pay Grace Forward and say, I need some help, I'm drowning here. And they say, okay, here's an application. Through the application, if you're approved for the, for the program, then through the application they're going to say, okay, we're going to put you with a mentor, we're going to put you with a financial coach that's going to sit down with you over a period of six or seven weeks and we're going to look at your budget, we're going to look at your spending, we're going to look at the income, we're going to look at the bills, we're going to look at the terms of the notes you got and all this kind of stuff and we're just going to do our homework together. And over that six or seven week period, that person's doing some financial coaching, financial mentoring, they're volunteers from churches that do this and then after that period of time, if it looks like, you know, they're I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to do what I need. I've got a budget in place. I've got a plan in place. I'm ready. I I know I can do this. After a period of time, they then recommend you to the Pay Grace Forward Advisory Council that I think they should qualify for a loan. 
and then you can get a loan through a traditional bank that will pay off the note to the payday lender, and now you got a bank through a loan through a traditional bank at a regular interest rate that's payable over 16 to 18 months rather than a 400% loan percent interest loan at a payday lender that's payable in two weeks. So we do that through First Farmers. That's our partner bank right there. So nobody, nobody's borrowing any money from churches. They're borrowing money from First Farmers. So the way it works is they would go and the ministry essentially cosigns the note and says, listen, we've been meeting with this person. We've been, we've been working with this person and we believe they're good for the note. So we're willing to put up the collateral for the note so that they can pay off this payday lender. The, the last, one of the last people we helped went from $800 a month in payments to $150 a month in payments. You want to talk about a life change? I mean, a life change. Um, and it, we've had couples, we, we helped a couple that uh, was engaged to be married, and they got out of debt before the date of the marriage and totally changed their life. We've had people that have gone through this program that are now contributing to the program because they got back on their feet and they started paying off, you know, they paid off the note. So the, the, the idea is to one person at a time and to pay grace forward. Here's where that name comes from. The, if, if you borrow from us, you know, if a first farmer's given us a, giving me a note, I couldn't afford to do it. This ministry helped, helped me do it by co-signing the note. Once I pay my note off, so I got grace. I received grace. I was given grace because I got something and I couldn't afford once I pay my note off, that money is then freed up and it gets to go help the next person and go help the next person and go help the next person. So what we're trying to do is combat the debt cycle with a grace cycle. Like unlike benevolence fund at churches where you just give it and it disappears, when you give to pay grace forward, that money in theory goes on and helps the next person and the next person and the next person and the next person. It just creates this cycle of grace. And it's, it's a... I don't even have time to explain the whole thing. It's a really creative thing to me, and it's a cool thing that's happening. And um, you've got an opportunity today, if I stop talking, to go learn about it. Uh, from our, our executive directors here, Lori Cole's sitting, just we wave real quick. Lori Cole is our new executive director of Pay Grace Forward. And, uh, yeah, you can, you can applaud for her. And she's going to be in the surf shop, which is the room down here in the children's ministry, right after this service is over, talking a little bit more about how the ministry works, because I know the analytical among us got questions, and the non-analytical are like, okay, I got it. Uh, but the analytical are like, well, what about this, what about this? She's going to be there if you want to go learn some more information about this. If you're interested in being a mentor, that's what we really need is in the ministry, because the education is a huge, huge part of it. It's bigger than the note. You know the coolest thing? Most of the people who start the program end up not needing the loan. They end up not needing the loan because over that six or seven weeks, they're like, I can do this. I can make this work. They just needed a coach to kind of help them coach through this, and so they end up not getting the loan, and we consider that a success if somebody doesn't need the loan. So if you are interested in serving as a mentor for this, if you're interested in, in maybe learning a little bit more about what that is, and really, I'm going to tell you a secret, and it, I should, we're on live stream here, but that's okay. Um, you know what mentoring is? It's discipleship. It's a foot in the door for discipleship because it's meeting a, a, an actual need. There's a financial need. So people are, now if I called somebody and said, hey, I want, I want to pair you with a Christian and they're going, y'all are going to meet together for six or seven weeks just to kind of see how life's going, you think people are going to go for that? <laughs> no. But if it's, I want to pair you with a financial coach that's going to help you out 
and help you get out of this situation, the people are open to that. So it's, uh, that's, a, that's a whole other part of the, the ministry to me is it's really a discipleship ministry is really what it is. So, uh, but anyway, Lori's here. If you want to go talk to her, as soon as we're done, uh, she's going to be in the surf shop, and you can go learn more about it today. Okay, let me pray for us, and I've got uh, uh, just a couple things, and we'll be dismissed. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for um, thank you for the creativity and the ingenuity of your people that come up with stuff like this, and uh, thank you for um, folks who have the heart of Jesus, like like Randy Nichols, that are uh, trying to help people and. Father, I just pray you help us to do that, that as a church, we are always have our eyes open to injustice. We always have our eyes open, and we're always seeking to learn how can we help in whatever small way that is. How can we help? What can we do? How can we act? How can we, how can we address some of the issues that we see in the community around us? So I do pray for Pay Grace Forward. I pray that it continues and that it is successful. And, uh, and I pray that there's folks here today that are interested in stepping into that ministry and, and being mentors and taking action on something today. So it's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.